Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Am I on? Wow, it's great to see so many people, as I said a moment ago, and just a great welcome from Paul as, as well. And um, as I said, just in the middle of it, a big thank you to uh, all the guys who've made this happen. And um, in fact, let me just do something. If you have been involved in hoovering, um, cleaning, setting chairs, moving chairs, uh, and, and you're here, just stand up, please. Just stand up where you are. There's more. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. And there's some outside. I wonder if we'd show our appreciation to these. No, Gordon, 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 Gordon. Just remain, Gordon, remain standing. There we go. Okay. There we go. Wonderful. And uh, we really do appreciate you doing that. You know, we've put a lot of chairs out here. Uh, I mean, anybody who knows Christine, we know that she absolutely lives for moments like this when she can arrange chairs and get them in order and, and all the rest of it. But uh, that's absolutely uh, fantastic. And, and Paul is right in saying that there's a bit of a miracle to this building. Put your hand up if it's your first time here to, to the building. Yeah, numbers of you. There's a real miracle to this building. And we would encourage you to just go and have a look at, um, you know, the, the back end uh, of, the, of the building. Um, we've, we've developed probably uh, two-thirds of it. There's still another third that we want to do at some point, but it's going to give us a tremendous resource to go and serve and just connect with the community. You know, I don't see buildings. I see people. That's why I get excited about buildings, because people fill uh, buildings, and I get excited about people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I'm never really that bothered about buildings, but I get very excited about the people who are going to fill the buildings. And as Paul said, this has been in my heart. This is the only second time that we'd filled this room. The first time was when we opened the building. And this is the second time, but we're believing that this campus is going to keep growing. It's going to keep increasing. There's going to be multiple hundreds that are going to give their life to Jesus Christ. And what we're praying here, we're praying over in Ilkeston. And we're also going to be praying over in Belper as we start that that campus. And as we we start in the factory hub as well, Lisa, we're going to be praying over all those uh, outreaches, all those campuses that God is going to bless us with. Just one quick thing as well. not quick because it's not important, but I wonder if Dave and Jeanette would just stand to your feet and just come here. In fact, the whole family, Daniel and Megan, I know you love this, Megan, I can see your face straight. Just quickly, just come quickly. Uh, we're going to do this properly uh, at first Tuesday in November. Um, uh, Dave, I said quickly. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, there we go. Okay. Just, just, just come here. Um, the, the, these, are, these are dear friends of ours, and um, we've known them for... Many, many years. In fact, I was uh, Dave's best man um, when he married uh, Jeanette. And we served on team in, in Milton Keynes uh, together. There was a bit of a journey where they was feeling God called them a number of years ago to come and work here. And it didn't quite work out. But uh, we've been having an ongoing conversation. And I've had a conversation with the elders as well. And uh, we're just really, really excited that they've been able to now. They're going to be moving here, relocating to the area. So they've bought a, a house uh, in Hina, uh, which is, you know, uh, the, the other side of just uh, of Ilkeston, connecting town. And uh, it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm thrilled because they'll, they'll come and they'll add something to the life of the church. Uh, Dave is, Dave is a, 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 a legitimate 
AOG minister. We're part of the Assemblies of God, so he holds ministerial status. And uh, they're going to be working on a number of things, particularly the spearheading of Belper with the team. They're going to be working on that primarily, but then involved in one or two other things as well uh, with us. So you'll see them around. And we want to take this opportunity while we're here in Mansfield, because you may not see them as much. But, you know, we just want you to know who they are. And we're delighted, aren't we, church, that the, 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 the withers, you'll get to know them. So let's give them a warm welcome. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll formally pray for them. And uh, on, as I say, on first Tuesday, and, and Dave will be, will be released for a day a week. We'll, we're actually going to be releasing uh, a day a week for him. He's going to do more than a day a week. He's already said that, but a day of week to, to just get on with some things. So I'm not going to give him the mic because he'll then take 30 minutes of preaching because I know what it's like. But no, I'm, there's, a lot, there's a lot of banter between us, so I'm sorry. But uh, we, 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 dear friends, so I'm delighted that we're with us. So please take your seats, guys. So. Who's, ready to, who's ready to receive the Bible um, this, this morning? I wonder if you're just turning your Bibles to Galatians in chapter 5. And verse 19 to 22. And we're continuing our series called, Who Are You Really? If it's your first time here or your second time, then we are delighted that you're here and you haven't got to think, oh, I'll switch off because I've not heard the series. You know, there is something here in this message for every single one of us. And uh, we really wanted to drive it down, Who Are You Really? Because what we realized is that all of us at times can live with different sort of personalities. We can have a private personality and we can have a public personality. But what I've realized over the years is because at times I have a confession to make, at times I've lived a fake life and so have you. But what I've realized is this, we need to be real because fake is exhausting. And what we don't want to have in Arena Church is a group of fake people. We want people who are very real. I have no problem with brokenness. We have no time for fragile, but actually I have a huge amount of time for brokenness because we're all broken in some way or another. There's everybody's got a story. And what we don't want you to do is hide that story. We want that story to be told loud and clear. And of course, if there's times when we're struggling, then that's where groups come in. That's why we encourage small groups that people can get connected into those areas because it's a place where they can be really real. But we see in Galatians in chapter 5, there's two pictures that Paul paints. And I'm going to read it from verse 19 through to 22. And this is what it says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. In this series, this, these Bible verses are really important. I'd encourage you to look at them again and read them in your own time. Because Paul is painting two very, very distinct pictures. The first picture, which we read in the first few verses, 
is the fleshly life, this selfish life, and the dark places of our lives. And Paul was addressing this to the church in Galatia. It was just an area. And he was saying, guys, this is how some of you are living. This is how some of you have lived. But there's a second picture. I'll let the phone finish. Okay, there we go. There's a second picture that he paints with words. And this is a picture where we live out of the fruit of the Spirit. This is where God has touched our lives and we are different. And we're not trying. In fact, as we get closer to God, God begins to do something in us. And he produces a fruit, not like the other fruit that we've just read about. It produces a fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And these are graphic pictures that he's painting. Now, why is he painting this picture? This is a way of an introduction for those who don't know. Well, he's painting this picture because this was what was happening in that church. There were church folk, or let shall I do it again? There were church folk. Church folk. Who were coming, who'd once had a powerful encounter with God, but they were now slipping back into old ways old habits, old practices. But they were still showing up at church and they were putting their church face on. They were putting their church clothes on. They were putting their church language on. They were putting their church hand waving on. And they even had some church hallelujahs. (laughs) They were faking it. They were faking it. Now, if you're here and you've been doing that this morning, faking it, that's cool. I'm not there to condemn you. I've been there. And if we're honest, all of us at some time, if we've been on a spiritual journey, there's been times when this is the last place we've wanted to be with these group of people. We've not wanted to praise God because of our circumstances. We might not have been in a good place, but when the pastor says, lift your hands, you thought, oh, I'll have to lift my hands. And you do it. And every, on the outside, everything looks okay, but you've been faking it. Am I talking to anybody here today? About five of you. Am I talking to anybody here today? And Paul was addressing this. He was addressing this issue. Because what he was basically saying is, listen, I don't want you to live this kind of way. In fact, in Galatians 6 verse 7, he then goes on to say, which is the next chapter after these verses... He says to the church, listen to me, just to underline this point, don't deceive yourself, it will be on the screen, verse 7. No one makes a fool of God. You will reap exactly what you plant. So there's the picture. If you're planting envy, if you're planting jealousy, if you're planting anger, if you're planting these things that we've talked about, let me tell you, you will reap that's what you have planted. But Paul is saying, if you, will, if you will sow, if you will plant love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, guess what? You'll reap those things. He says, verse 8, if you plant in the field of your natural desires, you will gather the harvest of death. But if you plant in the field of the Spirit, from the Spirit you will gather the harvest of of eternal life. Listen to me. Have I got everybody's attention? Let's not become weary, tired of doing good. For if we do not give up in the fruit of the Spirit, the time will come 
when we will reap a harvest. This is a significant word for Arena Church as we journey over these next few weeks and as we look to get rid of fake because it's exhausting and as we allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives. I really want what I'm like in public to be an extension of who I am in private. And that's what I want for you as well. I want what happens in the private places that you'd have no problem to do them in the public places. And God is wanting to rid ourselves as Christian faith people of the culture and characteristics that are so evident in the world. I was in a conversation last night with a group of leaders they were talking to me about a young set of leaders. And they said, it's interesting that they've been in the church for such a long time. And yet, it seems like they can't differentiate between that which is in the world and that which is in the Bible. I thought, well, that's quite sad. Well, not quite sad. It's extremely sad. Because actually, there's a distinction. Not that we're looking on, scoffing at the world. But the fact is, the world is broken. Listen, this world is broken down. If you're here today and you've come in broken, you're dead welcome. You're really, really welcome. But the fact is, you know it and I know it. No bull now, no faking it. You know it's not working. You know it's not working. And you've tried everything to make it work and it won't work. There's only one who can make it work and it's the one that Paul described who hung up on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And as we lean into him and as we trust him and as we ask him to be Lord of our life, he takes us on a journey where this fruit that begins to develop. Now, what I want to do is I want to just for this morning, just really focus on three parts of the fruit, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. And they are intrinsically linked. They really are. You see, you can't be kind without a seed of goodness. And as you have planted in your heart goodness, the fruit of goodness is kindness. And then you get gentleness in the mix as well. But let me be clear this morning, because some of you may be saying, I want to really understand what you're talking about. I want to define what I mean by kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Because it is interesting that Paul uses these three words that actually... To be honest with you, they are variances of the same. They almost could be the same kind of word. Let me me give you an example of this, how I would look at it. If I use the word work in the English language and then use the word labor, not the party, labor, and then then we talked about service and then we talked about industry, they're all interconnected. Do you understand? Give me a wave if you understand what I mean. They're all, this is what Paul's doing. It's interesting that he uses these three These three words that actually at their core have similar meanings. The slight differences, but they have similar meanings. But what I want us to understand and define what these three words really mean. When he talks about kindness, goodness, and gentleness, he's talking about a moral uprightness. He's talking about, listen to me, for those who are taking notes, integrity. He's talking about integrity to our lives. The second thing that this word is talking about, these phrases, words are talking about, is a goodness which is mild and pleasant. Not given to harsh, not, be, not being sharp, and not being bitter. It talks about a tenderness without weakness, a compassion under grace. 
Who would love these, these fruit, this fruit to be the fragrance of your life? Just give me a wave. I certainly would. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Now, I think Paul is addressing this because he understands that actually kindness, goodness, and gentleness is such an important consideration in the world. People often mistake it. They've taken my kindness for weakness until they cross me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you'll know. We're not talking about weakness. We're talking about a genuine kindness, a genuine compassion that flows from our lives. And I think why Paul addresses these in particular is because he's wanting to express something of the heart of God. Because this is the point that is on the screen. God is kind, God is good, and God is gentle. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. God is kind, God is good, and God is gentle. In fact, if you wanted to know where it says that, let me take you to Psalm 86. Verse 13, the the psalmist writes, for great is your love towards me. Yeah, towards you, my friend. Towards you, sir. Towards you, madam. Towards you, teenager. doesn't matter what you've been living and how you've been living and how you've been behaving. God's love is towards you. And he then goes on to say, you have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of of dead. Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. Verse 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Can I hear an amen in the house? You're slow to anger. You're abounding in your love and faithfulness. 16, turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength. On behalf of your servant, save me because I serve you just as my mom did. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Very quickly, we read of God's love that is so great. We read of God's compassion and his gracefulness towards us. I love this. We read in these verses that God is not given to a bad temper. It says he's slow to anger. It says here that God abounds in love and he's faithful. By the way, even when we are unfaithful. It's easy to be faithful when other people are being faithful. (laughs) But when people are being unfaithful, you feel like, I'll get you back, I'll show you. No, no, no. God, even in our unfaithfulness, remains faithful. And God is full of goodness. It means he's pure, he's holy, he's perfect. Listen to me, what I'm astounded by this in my notes, that this kind of God, this kind of fruit of the Spirit is evident in the characteristics of God and it's who God is and yet He chooses us. Listen to me, He chooses you in your brokenness, in your humanity, in your frailty, in your weakness, in your sinfulness. He chooses you and he chooses me. And he takes us and saves us. Oh, what a saviour we have. That's why we can sing what a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. And he changes us to become more like him in nature. And this is the journey of faith. He's wanted to take us to a place where we bear light, where we impact the world through our kindness and through our love and through our goodness. But I'm just taking you on a journey here because we see the goodness of God. We see the kindness of God. We see the gentleness of God. But how is it going to be developed in us? 
Because this is what Paul's driving at. He's saying there's a fruit that I want, that God wants to develop in you. And I've really sought thought hard about this and sought to just get an understanding of how this happens and how it has happened in my life. Now, I'm not saying that I'm God like God because I'm not God. And there's times when I'm bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's times when I'm not gentle. In in fact, I'm harsh. There's times when I'm not kind. In fact, I'm unkind. I'm just being honest with you. But as I allow God to work in me, goodness, kindness, gentleness is worked out in my life but it would be nice to say he just comes and he waves a wand bam there you are bob mandy it's coming kindness is on him and she says hallelujah now he's a kind husband i'm getting him back actually because of what he says to me it's all right i'd love to tell you that so it all there's a dose what it is dave just open your hands it's just going to drop from heaven Natalie says, amen, okay? No, he's a kind man, this man. I'm picking on kind guys. It doesn't work out like that. It doesn't. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness, and there's no manual that you can learn. Roland, three steps to kindness and goodness and gentleness. Now, there are some things that you can do naturally, and we all know that. But where, does it de- where is it developed? Shall I tell you where it's developed? In dirty soil. In dirty soil. Take the analogy of a plant, of a tree. Where does it grow? In dirt. So what I'm really saying to you is, and I'm prophesying over you, there's going to be some grizzle coming your way. Anybody in for this kindness, goodness and gentleness? Oh, now you're not. Well, some Claire is. Thank you. Glennis is wonderful. See that hand? Yeah, I see that hand. I see Gordon. Wonderful. He's always an encouraging man, this man. Some of those who've been around the church a long time, you're thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure now. But listen to me, that's where it develops. In the dirt, in the grizzle of life. Where it's happened for me, and I've really thought long and hard about this. You know, where this kindness, goodness, I'd love to say to you, it's just come with lovely people. It hasn't. Kindness, goodness, and gentleness has been developed in me, not through this lady here, who I have to say is kind, is good, and is gentle. It's just by nature what she is. She's not perfect, by the way. She doesn't glow in the dark. She doesn't. I just have to qualify that. But she is kind and good. It is. It's part of who she is. And anybody who knows Caroline, that's who she is. I thank God that she's rubbed on me a little bit, that I've become a little kinder. And everybody who knows me says, uh, there were too many people there. Oh, there were too many people there. Flipping out, you're all a bunch of sinners. A lot of you know, I'm joking. How has it developed in me? Well, in my life, this fruit has been cultivated through these four things. Number one, through accusation. Being falsely accused. I've been accused of things that I didn't do. I didn't do it. Gov, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And genuinely in this, I didn't do it. But I was falsely accused. What that did for me is I'm having to just, I'm having to lay down all my pride or my ego or my wanting to get back. Am I talking to anybody? When you're falsely accused, you just immediately, you want to rise up. 
You want to do something? No. Kindness and goodness and gentleness is developed in the dirt of accusation. Secondly, it's developed in the dirt of temptation. Integrity. When no one would know. What are we like in the privacy of our own homes? In the car? I've, talked, I've heard Andy talk about this with great integrity because he travels a fair bit, one of our elders, and all kinds of things that could happen in hotel rooms. And we're being recorded, but, you know, colleagues of his, historically, all sorts of things have happened. But Andy has sought to remain true and faithful and kind and good and with wholeness to him. But there's many people who haven't. And if you're here today again, maybe they're just God's just talk, talking to you. He doesn't come to condemn you. He never comes to condemn you. He lovingly comes to just draw something from you. But this is where it's developed in me in those areas of temptation. Thirdly, the dirty soil of anger and misunderstanding. What I mean by that is somebody's angry with me and I'm misunderstood. How do I respond when somebody is in my face? And you say, really? Yeah, I've had that numbers of times. In the church. In the church. Where people have said things and done things and got angry. And How do I respond? You know where I am in the natural. I don't live like this. I want to wallop them. <laughs> Give me a wave if that's you. But listen to me. That's not kind. That's not good. That's not gen- that is how Jesus would deal with it. When Jesus was challenging the disciples, he said, if somebody strikes you, you are to thank you. Fourthly, the dirty soil of the motorway of revenge. I like this one. Can I have a moment of just a little bit of just deviation for a moment? Is that okay? Just give me a wave if you're okay with us. I don't like it, but I like the thought of it because I don't know about you, but when I get on the motorway, I'm thinking I'm going to get on this slip road as quick as I can and I'm going to get motoring and I'm going to whack it on cruise control and I'm just going to blast it. Any blokes, any women know what I'm talking about. And this is what I'm talking about on the motorway of revenge. When somebody's done something and I spot a way in, I think this is it. I'm going to whack my foot to the floor I'm going to whack it in cruise control and they're going to get it in Jesus' name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But it, does that sound good? No. Does that sound kind? Does that sound gentle? Does it even sound Christian? And yet many of us live there. But this is where the dirty soil of motorway, motorway revenge works something in you. Because when you want to get your own back and you don't, something happens in you. We say about this supernatural work, I want to say it is supernatural. God begins to work fruit in our lives. There's many times Caroline said something to me and I wanted to get my own back on her. And we're renowned for wanting the last word. My father-in-law is hearing. By the way, Caroline always has the last word. <laughs> but even in our marriages, even in our relationships, even with the ones that we love, how are we doing with accusation, temptation, anger? 
revenge. Quickly, there's a man in the Bible by the name of Joseph. Every single one of these things that I've just mentioned, he could have lived with. He was falsely accused for adultery. He never even touched the woman. He ran from her. In temptation, when Potiphar wasn't around, he could have slept with this very desirable lady. Number three, in anger and misunderstanding, when his brothers were being horrible, nasty to him. And boy, oh boy, when he's now second in command and they're needing some food, I'm going to whack it in cruise control and you're going to get it in Jesus' name on the motorway of revenge. But listen to me. In these dark areas, God is working within us. If we will allow God to work in us through the power and person of the Holy Spirit, we will become kind, we will become good, and we will become gentle instead of being harsh, sharp, bitter, and corrupt. I want to say in this point, that is very powerful what I've just said there. And that wants to be the culture of Arena Church. We want to be known as a kind group of people. Not weak, kind. Full of gentleness. Full of goodness. So if we're going to see these things worked out in our lives, there's dirty soil that it's cultivated in, but I think there's two resolves that I just want to lead us in. The first resolve is this. That I'm going to walk in a straight line. I'm going to walk in a straight line. And I've headlined it goodness. I'm going to walk in this straight line. And listen to me, as church people, we've got to be determined to do this. In our relationships, dealings one with another, with the outside world, with husbands and wives, we've got to be determined to walk. With our finances, we've got to be determined to walk in a straight line. With integrity. Without a mask. Real, authentic, honest and true. No deceit. No lies. No mistruths, no cons, no blagging. To walk in a straight line. There's a phrase we often use, oh, they're as straight as a die. It's talking about the dice. Well, really what it's saying is, the the die is correct and true. There's been no tampering to it. This is what God is demanding of us in this in this in this time in this season because this goodness this walking in a straight line this integrity is something more than just a nice fancy word this integrity means wholeness and completeness I read something let me just read it to you it was an article uh, from the Huffington Post in America The writer says, integrity stems from the Latin word integra, which means whole and complete. So integrity requires an inner sense of wholeness, consistency of character. When you are in integrity, people should be able to see visibly, see it through your actions, words, decisions, methods and outcomes. When you are whole and consistent, there is only one you. You bring that same you wherever you are, regardless of the circumstance. You don't leave parts of yourself behind. You don't have a work you and a family you and a social you. You are you all the time. Hmm. That's a secular writer who wrote that. And to just underscore it, Proverbs 10 verse 9 says this, whoever walks in integrity walks 
securely. But whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Listen to me. Can I encourage us to have a resolve to walk with a straight line, to walk with goodness, to walk with wholeness, to walk with integrity in our everyday dealings? Can I hear a big amen? But the second thing I want to just lead us into, and I wonder if the guys could come and join me on the platform. They're going to just get here and I'm going to drop down here for a moment. But the second resolve that I want to encourage us into is this. To show love and kindness to this broken and beautiful world. It's on the screen. I wonder if you just turn to the person next to you. Literally, I want us to confess this one. I wonder if you could just confess it to the left and to the right. Do it now. We're going to show kindness. We're going to show love to this broken and beautiful world. Listen to me. This is a second resolve we're going to make. To show love and kindness to this broken and beautiful world. Romans 5 verse 8 says this. God showed his gentleness, his kindness, and great God and perfect love for us by sending Christ to die for us whilst we were still sinners. I love that phrase at the end. It's reminding us, while she was still, still a sinner, I came. I didn't wait for you to get right and perfect and good. Sort yourself out. I came while you was in a mess, while you were broken, while you were hurting. That's when I came to you. And listen to me. This love and kindness to this broken, beautiful world challenges us in this area. Because if you live with judgment, which many of us do, you have no time to love people. If you judge people, you have no time to love people. And I felt that the Lord was leading me to just say this towards the end. Listen, in this kindness, goodness, and gentleness that God is wanting to deepen in our hearts, and it's real, it needs to be without prejudice. God is leading us into places and to people that many, that others may be uncomfortable to go towards. But I want to say nobody is lost on Jesus. Nobody is lost on Jesus. These are some of the phrases that are not from the Bible from a very, very godly lady by the name of Mother Teresa. She said, every time you smile at someone, it is an action of love, a gift to that person, a beautiful thing. And she also said, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. I want to encourage us to offer kindness, to extend forgiveness, to show love, compassion and generosity love despite our ugliness to embrace despite the stench of brokenness to engage the obnoxious to serve the ungrateful and to bless your enemy the reason i say that is a week ago 
last Saturday, Caroline and I found ourselves on a date day. We had no children with us. They were at Alton Castle for the weekend. We decided to go into Nottingham. We hadn't been there for a little while and just saunter around with no particular thing other than just one or two things to pick up, just to walk. And Caroline was on, we're on Clumber Street, the busy thoroughfare of Clumber Street. And Caroline went into a shop and said, is he coming in? I said, no, I'd rather not if I can. I'll stay outside. Man, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, more hands went up there than I've had all, 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 all the message. She wasn't long. But as I stood there in the rain, I started to just, I, I honestly think God, God was just working in my heart. Because I started to see obnoxious people, rude people. If you'd have gone up to them, they would, they would have hit you kind of people. People who were drug induced. This was all in the daytime. People with all different colours. People with all different persuasions. Girls with girls and boys with boys and all kinds of challenging stuff. You saw, you know, all kinds of single parent brokenness and he was broken. It were broke. And I began to just cry out to God in that moment. Literally, nobody would have known. I'm just crying out to God, God. Because I'd read an article that less than 2% of the UK now go to church. And as I look on, I I just see the the darkness, the brokenness of humanity. And I wasn't judging them. I was literally cracking up inside. And we chatted about it in the coffee shop that we went to just after. And I began to just say, God, what do we do? What do we do with this city? What do we do with this area? Started to feel just the pressure of it all. and, And just, what can we do? It's too big for us to do anything. Start to say, God, this is too big for what you've called us to. And how can we make a difference? The Lord began to just talk to me about this area. I started to then go to Belper, which we're going to be planting in. I went to Mansfield. I went to Wilkeston. I went to this M1 corridor that I believe the Lord has called us to. And I began to say, God, what do we do? We're so limited in resource. We're so limited in time. We're so limited in money. We're so limited in people. What do we do? What do we do? And I felt his whisper in my heart. He says, Christian, all I am looking is for a people who will love and serve and will connect with broken, beautiful people. And as they begin to do that, I am going to light some fires. I'm going to light some fires across the, the area, I'm going to light supernaturally some fires in people's hearts. I really felt it so strongly. And he began to say to me, Christian, part of your mandate is to begin to go and light, to fuel some people with a passion to see this area change by the power of God, for us to see breakthroughs, for us to, for us to invade darkness in Jesus' name. Anybody with me? And I didn't feel as bad then, Paul. I started to just get something. There was just a bit of bounce in me. When I was having a coffee, I started to just express this. And then I just started to just sense that God was wanting to do it. And I was reminded of General William Booth, who came from Nottingham. I was reminded of Wesley. In those dark ages, I was reminded of people like Whitfield. I was reminded of people like Smith Wigglesworth. The power of God 
began to be released in people's hearts and lives as people began to embrace brokenness. He just took raw material of, I'm just going to be kind, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be gentle. And he says, they're the kind of people I'm going to use to light some fires in their workplace, in their homes, in their neighborhoods. God lights some fires. Lights some fires in our hearts. Lights some fires across this nation. Lights some fires across this area. In Nottingham, in Derby, in Mansfield, in Ilkeston. To the praise and glory of God in Belper. As I conclude. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. This is what he says. The prophet says, I have told you man what is good. And this is what the Lord requires of you. To do justice. To love. Kindness. And to walk humbly with your God. If that doesn't ground this entire message, nothing will. This is what God's saying of us. Show mercy. Show justice to those who are oppressed, to those who are less fortunate. Don't carry prejudice in your heart. He's saying to you, I want to walk you in a straight line with kindness and with humility, with me at the center of your life. And if you'll do that, Arena, I'm going to begin to light some fires. There's a, th- a number of you getting, I'm going to say it again, I'm going to start to light some fires. Literally, I'm going to light some fires. Supernaturally, I'm going to light some fires. And just for the tape, I'm not... Recording, I'm not talking about literally physical fires. We don't want to go and set fire to the area. Please don't say Christian said, the pastor at Arena. I'm talking about spiritual fires. I wonder if we just bow our heads for a moment. We're going to sing a great song to finish with. But if I can just say to us, guys, who are you really? Be real. Because fake is exhausting. And some of you here, you know you could be kinder. You know you could be better. You know you could be more gentle. If God's speaking to you in this moment, while my eyes are open, to be clear, but your eyes are closed, I'm talking primarily to Christians if you're saying, I just need a dose of that. I just need a dose of that. And I'm struggling in that dirty soil that you talked about. That's you. Just raise your hand where you are. Just raise your hand where you are. Because it is, it's a diff, difficult place, that dirty soil. Yeah. Father. Father, help. Help Arena Church here. People who are reaching out to you. Come on, just read. If your hand's up, just reach out to the Lord in this moment. You're not praying to me. You're to the Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help these guys. Us all whose hands are raised in those difficult places through the power of the Spirit, to show kindness, goodness, and gentleness to every person, to every circumstance, no matter how difficult it is. While every eye is closed, you can put your hands down. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never asked Him to be Lord of your life, and you've come in pretty broken, and you've come as a result of an invite, 
I want to say Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He wants to change you. He wants to help you. But you've got to just reach out to him. And simply how we encourage people to do that in arena is just praying a simple prayer. Something like this from their heart. Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm sorry for the mess that I've got myself in. I'm sorry for the way that I'm living. But I will just want to start the journey of living for you. And I tell you, if you'll pray that kind of prayer, even now, God hears that prayer. God hears that prayer. As you confess your sins before God. Sins is really those things that we've done wrong and we've all sinned. None of us are good. We've all got it wrong. While we're in this attitude of prayer, if you've prayed that prayer, if you're saying, God, I want to know you, while every eye is closed, I wonder if you just lift your hand if you prayed that prayer. Just show me. Lift it high. Great. Great. Anybody else today saying, yes, this is the prayer that I prayed. I prayed it to God. I've asked him to be Lord of my life. Father, I pray today that people who are reaching out to you, that you would save them. Lord, that they would know today a revelation of who you are and your love towards them and that they would live for you, God. They'd live for you. They'd live for you in Jesus' name. And just find.